Good morning. The reading is from Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Good morning. Let's pray one more time as we prepare to look at the text that was just read. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can pause to think about you, that we can spend time with your word, and that we can listen to your Holy Spirit. Speak through my words and may this time draw us closer to you or draw some of us to you for the first time. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to everyone joining us online. It's great to have you there. And we are concluding our series that we went to because of the COVID-19 virus. And it's here comes trouble. We're looking at bitter roots today, and that's really gonna be our last point. We'll spend a little more time on that than we do on the first verse. Now, I will tell you, that this passage is a series of do's and don'ts. And this arouses something in some people. And yes, I know I was part of the me generation and I was raised at the tail end of the hippies in Boulder, Colorado. And so I know a lot of us rebelled against rules, especially arbitrary ones. And I'm reminded of that song, um, Signs by the Five Man Electric Band. Now some of you saying, what in the world? Yes, I know I'm dating myself, but I just want to read to you the chorus from that song, and maybe this resonates with you. Sign, sign, everywhere a sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that, can't you read the sign? <laughs> well, I like to sing along to that song, and now I'm going to be telling you do's and don'ts. So yes, it sounds a little hypocritical. However, these do's and don'ts are not from somebody condescending and saying, you can, you can't. It's someone urging us to pay attention to these things. Someone who loves us and cares for us. It's more like a parent that is speaking to us in love and caring. And whether we're going to be the rebellious child that doesn't want to hear it or the one that welcomes it as the voice of experience, that is us today. And so we're going to look at bitter roots today. Let's look at the do's, the things we're supposed to do. Now, I will warn you that I have found that when we go to scripture and even the advice of people we love and care for, sometimes the do's are harder than the don'ts. It's sometimes easier to avoid things than to do things we're told to do. Sometimes the job seems too hard. Um, sometimes it seems we don't have the, the brains or the strength or the scope to be able to do it. Sometimes it seems like it needs more than one of us to get it done. But these ones here are very personal. But we'll see that they will challenge us, but they are very doable. The first one we see in the verse on the screen, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Oh boy, I don't know if I like that last word being there. That makes it a lot harder. With everyone. And I understand, make every effort uh, to be at peace with the one you love, with the one that you marry, 
with your family, with the brotherhood of believers. That gets a little harder. Then with everyone, though, beyond that, yes, that's really what it says. And basically, it's saying, don't make it be your fault if there's not peace. Don't let it be the problem with you. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't have convictions that we hold to tenaciously. And it doesn't mean that we won't fight when we have to. It's just that we should not be the one that loves to fight. We should not be the one who wants to war with others. And even when we disagree, we should be people who do it, trying to seek unity and trying to do it with logic. And so make every effort. Literally, though, this is the word to pursue. Indeed, in the negative sense, it can be translated persecute. But in the positive sense, it's to run after. Run after. And that means it's a priority. What do you run after? Something that's important. If you are late for the bus and you see it pulling away, you run after it so you're not late for work because it's important to be there in time. And so what is something you run after? Those of us that leave our sedentary nature and get up and run, this is something we should run after. Now, I will tell you that a lot of times, some of us have the the gift, really, of criticism and a critical spirit, and it's easy for us to do that. We have to run the opposite way and pursue peace. And again, this doesn't mean you compromise what you believe, but to try and do it in a way that is peace-loving. With everyone, that is incredible. That is incredible. That means that even our enemies, we need to pursue peace with. And we should not let an ongoing fight be something that we caused or we allow. If it's going to be there, it's going to be with us resisting it and the other person hanging on to it. Pursue, run after peace with everyone. The second one is to pursue holiness. Now, I know that some of the translations don't make it clear, but this pursue is distributed. It goes with the holiness as well. Pursue peace and pursue holiness. Holiness is a wonderful pursuit, by the way. It avoids legalism. Um, It avoids a checklist of this and this and this. Now, it's harder because holiness is to be set apart, to be different. And holiness is what God is. And that's a very high bar, too high a bar. But it is a bar we can try to hit. Even if we know we're not going to get there, we can get as close as we can to it. And so we try to go that far. I remember when I was in grade school, we'd have these spring track and field days. And one of those was, how far could you throw a softball? And you see, I knew I could not throw as far as my friend Fred. You see, you got a prize for winning. And Fred could throw it 400 feet in sixth grade. And so I would try and throw it as close to as far as he did as anyone. And I got second place. Well, we're told to be holy like God is holy. We're told to pursue it. And maybe the pursuing it recognizes that we will not hit it perfectly, but it still is our goal. And some of us, sometimes it's me, sometimes it might be you, when we don't hit the goal, we get defeated. And when we don't hit the goal, it stops us from pursuing it. And we go, oh, 
I never can do it anyway. But we're not supposed to. We're supposed to get as close to this as possible. And so goodness and holiness, to be as God is, this is something we pursue. We do not do this so that God will be impressed with us. We do not do this so that God will say, wow, look how wonderful you are. You deserve to be in heaven because we recognize the Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. That's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. And then, of course, we can say now there is one righteous And he came long after this was first written in the Psalms, and that is Jesus, the Christ, one righteous, only one, and it's his righteousness. And so as we're pursuing or making every effort as it translates it in the NIV, it means we run after it even when we have to get up and dust ourselves off. And we notice it says here, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, this is not a legalism by the way, because you just jump to the next verse and you will see, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That's a word for a gift, the gift of God. And so even in the next sentence, they recognize that we cannot earn salvation. And yet we're still supposed to pursue it. And it is the renouncing of our sin And the embracing of Christ's righteousness that brings us salvation. Maybe you don't understand this, so let's explain it. We know we have a lot of people listening that don't always do it. Or maybe you've gone to church all your life. I had a man that I led to Christ who was in his 70 years old, who had been uh, the chairman of his elder board for many years of a church. He moved into the community. And after the service, he said, the way you talked about the Bible, I've never done that. And I led this man who had been the chairman of the elder board of his church for many years to Christ. And so maybe you're one of those. You see, he was trying to earn his way. He was trying to be better than his neighbor. But we're told that no one is righteous enough. And so it's very important for us to recognize that we are not holy, but also recognize that God created us for holiness. And so how are we going to fix this? By embracing Jesus and his perfect life and his sacrificial death, taking what we deserved is what we embrace. And so if you haven't done so before, I just urge you to receive Jesus Christ, to say, I am sinful, but I accept your forgiveness. And then you're on the pursuit of holiness with the power of God in you, and the power of the Holy Spirit and his grace is what brings us closer to holiness. Our holiness doesn't impress God, but our holiness does please God. And when we become holy as he's created us, he smiles. And so we are to pursue this, not for our salvation, but to please our heavenly father and become more like Jesus. Now let's get to the don'ts. The first one we just mentioned, don't miss out on grace. See to it um, that No one misses the grace of God. Don'ts are prevention. Oftentimes, avoid this, don't do this, or else something terrible will happen. Don't, uh, you know, not wear a mask, you may get cancer. Um, Don't leave your door unlocked or someone may come in. 
back when I lived in Evanston years ago, um, I and my wife were there with a friend of mine and we were about ready to sit down to dinner sitting in our living room and somebody just walked in our front door into our living room. Luckily, it was a small place. And then he pretended like he didn't know what he was doing, but he was there to take or to hurt. And when he saw two men there, he abruptly left. And so some of the don'ts are like this. Be careful. Be careful of these things. And really, this is actually another do couched in a don't because it really tells us, see to it. Now, that's the word for an overseer. Um, If it was uh, in a noun form, it would be translate bishop or overseer. And so oversee that. Look out for that. See to it is a good translation. And this is, it is everybody's responsibility. Hmm. It's everybody's responsibility that everyone else learns of the grace of God. It's everyone's responsibility that we tell people they cannot earn their salvation, that all they can do is come to Jesus and receive it as a gift they don't deserve, but to know that they can receive it. See to it, and he writes to all the people, that no one misses out on this, that no one's trying to earn their salvation, that everyone realizes this is a gift to be received. And so don't avoid that. Don't miss grace. And it is such a great gift. We don't want to leave it unopened. I once found a card about a year later when we were going through our Christmas decorations that was unopened that somehow got packed away with the decorations. It was a check for $50. And I said, oh, man. And, you know, they would back then only cash it within 90 days. And I said, wow, I missed out on 50 bucks because I inadvertently didn't open the gift. And whether it's hidden from you or whether we're just too prideful. You know, some people are too prideful to admit that we are sinners that need God. And I know it does sort of offend us, but we're all in this together There's none righteous, no, not one, only Jesus. And so we have to admit it. And so we do not want to allow a famine of grace. We want everyone to understand it and to receive it. And so our job is not to make them receive it. Our job is to help them to understand how we receive grace and that they can too. And then the final don't is don't allow a bitter root to grow. Let's imagine you have a vine, a grapevine, and for a few years, all the grapes you get off it are bitter. You've got to get rid of that whole thing, root and all, and replace it with something that will produce something good. Um, Sometimes you can starve it out by not fertilizing it, not watering it. You know, bitterness comes in many ways, and some of us really will feed, will water and fertilize the negative things in our life and they will grow into something else. Now, it's likely that uh, the author to Hebrews is thinking of Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. And I'll quote that now. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today. Notice how it starts out the same way. Make sure. Whose heart turns away from the Lord our God and goes to worship the gods of the nation. Make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. 
And so both don't leave grace unreceived and don't let a bitter root grow seem to be indebted to this verse in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 29. And so we realize that bitterness can get bigger. Sometimes when we focus on it or sometimes when we stuff it the way we feel, it grows into something bigger and worse. Maybe it's lack of forgiveness, denial of things, envy. Maybe it's a simple misunderstanding that bothers you and makes you harbor negative feelings towards someone else. We can't let those things grow. Number one is we have hurt other people wittingly and unwittingly, and we must not allow anyone else to let that grow either. And so is there bitterness in your life? Is there things that hurt your soul and your emotions that grab all of your thoughts and attention? We have to be very careful with those so that we do not let them grow. Don't let bitterness grow. In this day of trouble and disagreements over how we respond to the troubles of COVID-19, let us not divide up We're all together against this virus. Let us not let hurts of other people, maybe because we're living too close proximity, too much with one another, don't let words not be taken back. Let's not let the bitter roots grow, but let's, like we were given grace, extend grace to other people. You know, when you let a bitter root grow, it really doesn't hurt the one you're angry at or the one you're frustrated with or disappointed with. Ultimately, it rots our own soul. And we need to go back to that grace that avoids it all. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile. (laughs) To cause trouble and to defile. You know, sometimes our emotions start as just emotions. Our thoughts start as just thoughts. But when we let them grow, they can cause trouble. They can cause trouble among other people. Eventually, we go from just being angry or frustrated to then lashing out at someone else. And so when we feed them, they grow and they come out. And you've maybe heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. So if you're hurt... You sometimes, when you cling to your bitterness, you hurt others. And we do not want these things to defile other people. And so our hurts, our troubles, our bitterness, we need to bring them to God so that they do not change who we are and they do not pollute the grace of God. Yes, this world is broken, The Bible talks about that. Sometimes we expect it not to be broken, but it is. And yet God has overcome the world and will one day destroy this world and rebuild it in a whole different way. And so we have to be careful. I remember sitting with a father in a hospital room. His teenage son was in the hospital room with a rare form of lung cancer that only occurs with smokers. His son was not a smoker. The doctor looked at him 
and tried to answer the question. We said, was it my smoking that is going to kill my son? The doctor looked at him and said, likely so. Likely so. Wow. Now, I don't know if the son actually died. He rallied, he got better, and went home. I left the area, moved out of the area, and did not follow up. But do you realize that sometimes our sin, our unresolved issues hurt other people? It's like flowing, throwing a rock into the water, the ripples go out. And so let us not have something that we do not deal with that causes problems for others. I have some application suggestions here, and then we'll go into a communion service. And if you haven't put elements together, it doesn't have to be the same things. I do have just grape juice and oyster crackers here. But we'll be getting ready for that in just a little bit. But here's the application suggestions for the message. Ask God to reveal your doubts, lack of forgiveness, emotional pain, anger, and other unresolved issues. Boy, that's a hard one to do. We sometimes want to leave those buried. I know I do. Ask God to reveal them so you can work them through with trusted friends, with God, and maybe even a counselor. Let us be people who will resolve those issues and not let them have a life beyond what they should. Secondly, or B, graciously come along someone, alongside someone who is slipping in their faith or maybe struggling in their way. Come alongside them. Maybe you don't even have to say anything. Maybe you just have to be on the phone and let them talk. I'd normally say you just have to be with them, put your arm around them, but that may break some of the problems with spreading the coronavirus but be there for them. And finally, join a small group. You know, we've got a lot of small groups that are connecting virtually. I know that's not the best for some of you who don't like that, but put up with it as much as you can. Join a small group because that's a place where you can connect. The small group that I'm in is really connecting even despite the fact that we can't be together. And yes, it's not as good as being together and we will really celebrate. And you know, Pastor Dave started a new one last Monday and uh, they already almost have enough for two groups and so we'd love you to join a small group as well because that is a place where we can talk about these things and that's a place where we can resolve some of these issues that are hanging on because we can do life together. Now I'd like to bring you to 2 Corinthians as we prepare for our um, virtual communion service. We're still going to be doing it together, almost in live time. There's a slight lag with the internet. But we are together, and we're going to have communion. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 14 through 15, I'm not going to go into the context of this, just the application. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What we are celebrating now, even though we can't be together, is the surpassing, abounding grace of God that just overwhelms us and the gift that cannot be described. There is no other gift you've ever received in your life 
I don't care if somebody wiped out a million dollars of debt. This is a greater gift that we cannot even begin to describe that Jesus took my sin and my guilt, my shame, and gave me eternal life and made me a child of God. We could talk for a thousand years about this and not get to the depth. It is truly indescribable what we are celebrating. And our elements remind us of the love of God and the suffering of Jesus. And that suffering of Jesus reminds us of the value he put on our souls and how loved we are. And I know this is different. And I've done communion many times in a nursing home or a hospital or in the home of a, sh- of a shut-in. And even those are different. They all wish they could be with the body. And so I know the virtual one is a little different, but it may be even more special. Some of you may never before, only a couple times, have had communion just with your nuclear family. And so we'll emphasize some of these things while we admit the inherent weakness. To participate in the service, it's an open service. You must know Jesus and know that your sins are forgiven. Um, If you don't know your sins are forgiven, you just tell Jesus right now, I have failed, I have sinned. You ask him to forgive you. You say, I believe you died in my place. I believe you rose again to conquer death and sin in the grave. And at that moment, you are God's child. And then you can celebrate what Jesus did for you and your salvation at the same time. We also ask you to confess any sins that, you, that the Holy Spirit brings up. We're going to have a time of silent prayer. I know that's a weird thing when we're broadcasting live. But we're going to have a time of silent prayer and we'll just urge you during that time to let the Lord search you. And if he brings anything up, just confess it. If not, just continue to worship him. And we also ask if you're a child that you understand what you're doing and have your parents' permission to partake of this. This is a sober thing, an important thing, but also a celebration we're doing. I'm going to pray a prayer on the elements and uh, then uh, we'll have our silent prayer. Then when we come back, we'll go through the elements together and partake of communion before we go to the prayer of Pastor Eric and our final wrap-up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these elements. We thank you so much for what they represent. We thank you so much for Jesus, that he gave his body and his lifeblood. He died so that we might live. We thank you for grace so abundant. Now search us and show us any wicked way that we may confess it and restore that close relationship with you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus as we pray through your Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to ask you now to take what you bring as a symbol of Jesus' body. At the Last Supper, the first time that communion was celebrated, 
Um, it was before Jesus went to the cross, and they didn't fully understand it. But these were the elements that were available, and he used them as a symbol. And so he would have taken the unleavened bread, and so I have oyster crackers somewhat close to that. But you take whatever you have, and this is to represent the body of Jesus, the words of Jesus. This is my body, which is for you. Do this remembering me. We're told after supper, Jesus took the cup and uh, they would have had their wine, normally wine mixed with water in their day. So it would have been a red mixture that would have been telling, evocative of what would happen when Jesus said, this is my blood. And of course, as we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup, it's a picture of receiving Jesus into our souls. And those of you who have accepted Jesus, we understand how important and how significant this is, that his death gives us life. The words of Jesus, this is my blood given for you. Do this whenever you drink it, remembering me. Jesus, we remember, and we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Be glorified and send your message out into all the world so that many more may receive this wonderful grace. Amen.